You know, if you don't know about our church, our church is famous for one thing, church planting. And uh, Pastor Allen is from a, a, a church that is a granddaughter church of this church. Isn't that cool? That we planted a church and then they planted another church. And so this guy is awesome. God is taking this guy to amazing places, amazing calling. And I just want to make sure that you guys welcome our guest speaker with a Hope Chapel welcome by standing your feet for Pastor Allen Cardenas. Come on. Let's get to your feet. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's, a, it's an honor to be here. And actually, Pastor Tom, I, I just was thinking, I think we're a great-granddaughter. It was Hope Chapel Kapole, and then Hope Chapel Wainai Coast, and then Hope Chapel Nanakuli. So great-granddaughter. How's that? Cool. But anyway, I bring you greetings. Actually, I'm here with my wife at this service and my son, Makani. Uh, we bring you greetings from Hope Chapel Nanakuli on the far side, uttermost part of the island called Nanakuli. Uh, but we, we thank you. Uh, you know, first of all, you know, you're part of a wonderful family. You're part of an amazing family. I thank God for Ralph and Ruby Moore and starting this Hope Chapel family because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be as good looking, happy, smiling, and, and, and up here today. I'd probably be out there. Who knows? <laughs> I know what I would be doing, but who knows where I will be? But not only myself, but many other people, hundreds of people, not just here in Hawaii, but all over the world have found hope, had found love, but more importantly, have found God in Jesus Christ through Hope Chapel Kaneohe. So, you know, you guys are a part of an amazing and powerful, wonderful family. What an amazing church. I, I, I got I to gotta say that. Hope Chapel was an, is an amazing church because, um, you know, they really live up to it. You know, I remember the day when I first came here for Leadership Advantage, got saved and, and heard this saying, we promise, come just as you are. We promise to love you as is. You ever heard that before? Well, I don't know about you, but for me, I had issues with that because I had issues. Why? Because I'm married. Not that she's the issue, but she has issues and I'm it. So because she had issues, we needed to go to church. And so we ended up going to Hope Chapel Kapolei. We went there, and we were looking, searching, lost, blind, confused, hurting, broken, messed up, wanting, searching for something real. Because I believe that whole chapel is a family with real people in the real world looking for real solutions. So we went to church. We went in there, and again, I had issues back then. So I walk in church, see everybody standing up, raising their hand, praising God. I said, bunch of wimps. <laughs> Sorry, again, I just being honest, open. I said, I'll never raise my hand. I'm just here because my wife needs help. <laughs> Not knowing that help was me. <laughs> so I went to church. And, but what a loving church because what was birthed out of here in Hope Chapel, Kapole, was just the love of God. I went there like this, all haboot, angry, nuha, or just angry, pretty, at everybody. Because the last person with two eyes, two ears, two hands, and two feet said, hurt me. And I don't know if I could ever trust anybody with two eyes, two hands, two ears, and two feet that working good. So I went there angry and hurt, confused, blinded. And you know what? And I said I'd never raise my hand. But you know what? All of a sudden I started crying like one baby. I don't know why. You know, I'm there, everybody went, crying, and I'm kind of looking around. Like, 
Fucking kind of looking. The next thing you know, looking. And, and just started going for it, you know. The Holy Spirit fell upon me, and, you know, I just got, God got a hold of me and, and took me and just uh, says, I, I have plans for you. I said, well, God, I hope somebody does, but nobody else did. Everybody else gave up on me, even myself, right? So I went to church, and then this crazy guy comes up to me and says, hey, brother, you like help us set up church? I said, oh, I cannot. He goes, why? I got issues. <laughs> and trust me, I got issues. Well, I, had, I still got issues. I just had way more. But anyway, I went to church. He says, you know, you know, you can help serve. You can help set up. I says, no, <laughs> I, I got issues. He says, no, you can help set up. And you know what? I set up that first chair, and I wish I had it today. I would have gold-plated that thing, put them on the wall. And I said this with all my heart because... That chair changed my life. Because to me, how can, how can God take somebody with issues that is so messed up, so lost, so broken, so confused, so angry, and use him in his church? And I was there in awe. And that guy with issues said, bro, hurry up. You can pay any more chairs. I said, oh, bro, no push. But <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> all that to say is I come here today, and I thank God for all of you. And if you're visiting for the first time this church, buckle up because you're going for a beautiful, wonderful ride. And I pray that the Lord would bless all of you. So I just come with a heart of appreciation. We come. God has used um, a local boy, graduated barely, but I did, <laughs> in such a way to bring help, hope, and healing to many people. But it started right here. So I just want to say thank you, Ralph. Thank you, Ruben. Thank you, Hope Chapel family, for who you are. So I bring greetings to all of you. Man, it's amazing. Before, I wouldn't cry, just tough and all that. Now I can cry. I mean, a church full of big crybabies. But anyway, because <laughs> we're, just, we're just loving God and having a great time. Well, anyways, uh, I'm here um, to share with you uh, what I do at Hope Chapel Nanakul is every July I go back and uh, talk about our founding fathers. I talk about the Declaration of Independence. I talk about sacrifice. I talk about what, what, what happened back then because we don't teach it in the schools anymore. And I believe that it is my responsibility to continue to celebrate, to honor, and to perpetuate and protect and defend America's Godly Foundation. Let us never forget that 236 years ago, 56 brave men signed a document willing to lay it on the line for all of us so that we can enjoy today. So with that said, I got a very short video. It's about three minutes. A powerful song, a wonderful song. And I'm wondering maybe we can stand. If we can stand here as a church and let us, let us just reflect on a song, listen to the song, watch the video, maybe even sing this song as we remember our country's 200 
and 36th birthday. Stay tuned and check it out. start again with just my children and my wife thank my lucky stars to be living here today cause the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away that said, let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for reminding us how blessed we are to live in the United States of America. Lord, we thank you for our brave men and women who have served and are serving in its armed forces here and abroad. Father, we pray your anointing, your blessing, and your hedge of protection upon them and their families. We thank you for their sacrifices. We ask that you bless them now. And Lord, as your church 
we gather here today and we ask you to speak to us this morning on how we ought to continue to remember and to defend and protect the godly foundations that you have laid over 236 years ago. So, Lord, we pray, come, speak to us now. Your servants are listening. Bless us, and, Lord, we pray, God, bless the USA. In Jesus' name we pray, and God's people said, amen. Amen. Would you give the Lord a, a clap of offering? Praise God. Well, you may be seated. I think oftentimes we're so busy, we miss out on the rich heritage of our country. And we've got to remember that 236 years ago, our founding father signed a document declaring our independence from Britain, but from Great Britain, but just as strongly declared dependence upon Almighty God. And when you look at the Declaration of Independence, we got to look good because it all starts with God. Because it starts with the laws of nature and nature's God. And it ends with God as well. The founding fathers were willing to make a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. And they mutually pledged to each other their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. Do you know what the word reliance means? It means dependence. The signers of the declaration were staking everything on God watching over them and seeing them through this struggle for freedom. Now keep in mind these 56 men had no army, no navy, no money. And they were taking on Great Britain. And that is something huge. We've got to remember this. Our founding fathers did not believe in the separation of God from government. They believed that this nation was founded by God, protected by God, preserved by God, and prospered by God because it all depends on God. 236 years later, let us not forget that. That they were willing to pledge their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor and putting it all on the line, trusting in God as they sign the most important document in the history of our country. Of those 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence, nine died of wounds, of hardships during the war. Five were captured in prison and each case subject to torture. Several lost their wives and children, entire families, One lost 13 of his children. Two wives were brutalized by the British, all at one time or another victims of manhunts and driven from their homes. Twelve signers had their homes completely burned. Seventeen lost everything that they owned. Indeed, these men not only pledged but gave their lives, their fortunes, and not one went back on their sacred honor. This brings us to you and I here today. If these patriots laid it all on the line for this nation, don't you think that you and I should do more than just watching fireworks, eat hot dogs, and sing kumbaya? (laughs) The Bible says this, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? These men laid it all on the line to lay a godly foundation 
for generations to come. And at the same time today, our, our foundation, godly foundation, are being undermined, redefined, and being destroyed. By telling people like you and I, we shouldn't get involved in government. God has no place in government. God has no place in schools. Are we willing to stand back and do nothing? Or are we willing to do our duty to God and duty to our country to be able to protect, preserve, and celebrate America's godly foundation? Because if not you, then who? If not now, then when? If not here, then where? We have to do something for the sake of our children, for the sake of Hawaii, and for the sake of our country. This next five months is the most important five months in the history of our country and the history of our home. I'm not just the pastor. I am also the executive director of Hawaii Family Forum. We work with our counterparts on the mainland, Hawaii um, Focus on a Family, Family Research Council, and many uh, pro-family organizations standing in a gap to protect family values, to protect and defend our religious freedoms. This last two legislative sessions in 2011 and a second one for me in 2012, I can stand before you honestly and say to you, whatever happens in the state capitol will affect every penny that you own. It will affect every penny that you're trying to earn. It will affect what you think you know as family here and now. It will affect your pastor and what this church can and cannot do. It will forever alter. These bills will forever change things that we believe is sacred and important. I've seen that, and I can stand before you and say this, that there is a desperate and dishonest attempt to undermine, redefine, destroy Hawaii's families and our religious freedom. We have to do something. We have to stand up. We have to do something to protect our godly foundation. But we need to make sure that it's in line with the Word of God. And I'm here to lay down a solid biblical foundation. Three things that we can do as a church, as God's people, to protect our godly foundation. Here's point number one. We need to seek God for our government. Our founding fathers believed in the power of prayer. They would open up Congress with prayer. In fact, that was one of the largest churches back then. People got together to listen to sermons right there in the state capitol. And they prayed, and because they prayed, God blessed the USA. And all of us today, we need to seek God for our government. First Timothy 2 says this, I urge you, first of all, to pray for our, all people. It's important that not, we, we just not pray for ourselves, we pray for Christians. We need to pray for all people. As you make your request, plead for God's mercy upon, this, upon them. I find it interesting. The Bible does not pray, God, pray thunder and lightning, condemnation, and rocks fall down and all these stuff. It does not say that. It says when you pray for people, you pray God's mercy on them. What does it mean? God, hold back what they deserve. 
And I believe that many of us have experienced God's mercy. In fact, I believe that's the only reason why we're here today, because of God's mercy. So when we pray for people, we need to pray God's mercy upon them and give thanks. Verse 2 says this, pray this way for kings and all those in authority. We need to be praying for our leaders. We need to be praying for our president. Pray for our congressmen. Pray for the U.S. Supreme Court. We need to be praying for our governor, praying for our mayor. Pray for all those in authority. Whether you voted for them or not, that's not the issue. The issue is the Bible is clear that we are called to pray for those in authority. Pray. Why should we pray for others? Why do we pray for those in authority? So that we can benefit. The Bible says so that we can live in peace and quietness, in godliness and dignity. Second Chronicles 7.14 says this, Then if my people who are called by my name will, one, humble themselves, two, pray, three, seek his face, four, turn from our wicked ways, God will do his part. He will hear our he uh, prayers from heaven, forgive us of our sins, and heal the land. We need to be praying. So one of the things that we can do as well is the Department of Education is getting ready to go back to school in the state of Hawaii. They're struggling. There's not enough finances and so forth. Buses, bus services might be cut to certain communities. Families will be hurting and struggling. We need to be praying for the Department of Education. One of the things that we did in Nanakuli is we wanted to do a major makeover in Nanakuli High School football stadium. The, a lot of the bleachers were condemned. They were taped off. We couldn't use it. Graduation was coming up. And we wanted to help the school and pray for the school. And how can we be a blessing to you folks? So they said, Alan, can you help us replace 238 bleachers, I think it was. 2,000 rusty nuts and bolts that haven't been touched for over 30 years. They had no money and so forth. But we pray that God will bless them, that God will bring forth the planks, the nuts, the bolts, and the manpower. What God did, we were able to get all the materials. And then we said, okay, we'll jump in, we'll help. So we got Hope Chapel Nanakuli, we got some of the other churches, and we also um, requested help from the United States military, the um, 25th Infantry. They came out, and that was very strategic because a lot of the kids out there on the, uh, out in Nanakuli haven't interacted with anyone in uniform before. In fact, many of them think that they're the enemy, that they stole this land, which is a complete lie. But we wanted to bring forth healing. We wanted to bring forth reconciliation. We wanted these boys to know that those soldiers are just like us, but with a duty to God in our country. So they came out. Of all days, they wanted to work on, I, I'll never forget this day. It was Veterans Day, 2011. They were willing to come out on Veterans Day to do this service project in our community. They came out. We were able to do work. In fact, they worked so fast, we had to stop the, the project so that we have work for the other days and the other volunteers. So they said, let us uh, prepare our lunch, and then you guys can just hang out, and we'll get lunch ready. So the soldiers went on the football field, and they started to play football, turn the football back and forth. Well, mind you, some of the volunteers from the community was the junior varsity football boys and some of the varsity football players. They saw the soldiers on the field. They got together and said, what? So they got together on a 50-yard line. They made a circle, and they started to play uh, throw the football back and forth. Well, 
Somebody from the United States Army called up, hey, you guys want to scrimmage? That was it. The guys, okay, they ran over there. I-32, I think you guys were running plays and all so forth. And, you know, to me, it was such a blessing to, these, to see these Hawaiian kids interacting with these soldiers in uniform. What a, what a blessing, having a great time. And, by the way, we won. We won. Yeah, I don't know about you. We don't win too much football games in our community. So every win we got to take, we take them. And we won. And we didn't cheat either. We played fair. Nonetheless, back to the, back to the story. Uh, they were playing a wonderful game. They were enjoying themselves this Veterans Day. What we were not prepared for as we were praying for this whole project, praying for this, this game, one of the wives came over and said, Pastor, thank you so much for inviting us to be part of this wonderful project. I said, ah, no, no problem, no worries, no, thank you. Thank you so much. And she kept thanking me. I said, don't, don't worry about it. No, thank you. You got to understand, Pastor, this unit just got back from deployment from Afghanistan. And three weeks ago, a bunch of the guys were having fun in Waikiki. They were stopped at a traffic light in Waikiki. And a bunch of local boys punched through the window, dragged, out one, dragged one of the soldiers out, and beat him to a pulp. So the fact that they're out here in your community having fun with your people means a lot to all of us because they felt just how are the Hawaiians going to treat them and so forth. And <laughs> it messed me up big time to hear that. How in the world can these soldiers fight for our country, fight for our freedom, come back to our home, the land of Aloha, and someone treat them that way? And I heard that. I said, you know, when they're done, can I have a moment with your soldiers? She says, yes. So when the game was done, she called them to attention. I says, you know, relax. They made a half circle, and I called the football boys, come here. They made another half circle, and uh, I just said, you know, I thank all of you for serving our country, for sacrificing for us. And I thank you that you could be anywhere in the world, but you chose to be here on Veterans Day in Nanakuli, giving back to our community. And I said, I thank you so much. We are forever grateful for your sacrifices to our country and our community. And I said, you know, as a native Hawaiian, I ask for your forgiveness for any hate, any anger, any hostility that you'd face from any Hawaiian because that is not our heart. We appreciate you. We love you. And I ask for your forgiveness. And I never thought I'd seen just some of the best trained soldiers in the world back from deployment, in uniform, in tears. And I said, I want every single one of you to know today that we're ohana, we're family. And more there is crying and so forth. I mean, we are crying. Spirit of the Lord fell upon this place. And I says, you know, from this day forward, I want you to know that you're always welcome into our home, Nanakuli. And I looked at the boys. I said, I want you to look closely at your brothers and sisters. They're family. And if you see anyone like them come into our home, it's your kuleana, your responsibility that you welcome them, that you show them ho'okipo, hospitality, 
that you allow them, you share it with them, you protect them, you feed them, and you play a friendly game. And does it matter who win or who lose? <laughs> At the end of the game, we're still family. Then we ask, I ask the boys, go around, lay hands upon these soldiers, and let's pray. And we pray the blessing, the Holy Spirit fell upon that place, and that opened doors for more, more powerful thing. What am I saying? Prayer works. Prayer is powerful. And that's what we got to be doing for our country, our leaders. People need prayers. People need help. They need healing. They need hope. We are Hope Chapel. Amen? And I believe he or she who has the greatest hope that leads. Amen? We got the hope of God, the hope of Jesus. With that hope, we need to be praying for our government, praying for those in authority. Because prayer had shaped and formed our country. And I believe, once again, that prayer will shore it up and help protect America's godly foundation. So we need to pray. Now, as we continue to seek God for our government, part of that responsibility is the Bible says, Jesus said, Give to Caesar what's due to Caesar. So in other words, we need to support our government by paying our taxes. Regardless of how you think your elected official spends your, mo spend your money, we need to continue to be in alignment with the Word of God and support our government. Number two, Romans chapter 13 says that we need to submit to our government. We have to say, <laughs> I know, I know it's tough for some of you. It's killing you. I know. <laughs> but hey, the Bible says, right, so we need to support and submit our government. But yet, sometimes we're called to stand up. We're called to stand up to our government. Here's a biblical reference, Acts chapter 5, verse 27 to 29. Peter and his apostles were told never again to preach in the name of Jesus. But the high council went, got Peter and his apostles, and didn't we tell you never again to teach in this man's name? The high priest demanded, instead you had filled all Jerusalem with the teaching about Jesus and you intend to blame us for his death. But Peter replied to the apostles, we must obey God rather than human authority. Sometimes we got to stand up. There's some non-negotiables that what God says, we got to hold the line. You know, even the book of Exodus, the midwives, right? Pharaoh told the midwives, go out there and wipe out the baby boys. But they said, No. They didn't. Farragut came back and said, why have you not killed the baby boys? Because they're, they just, it's like popcorn. They come out so fast. By the time we get there, we can't, we can't stop them. But you know what? Because they refused to obey Pharaoh, because they were willing to stand up to government, God blessed them. Do you know even Daniel, back then, right, anybody else that wouldn't would bow down to any other god besides the god Nebuchadnezzar and all that thing, that they would be thrown into the lion's den. But that nonetheless, Daniel stood up to the government. He went back to his room and he prayed. But God blessed Daniel as well. Here's the thing. We got to remember that 236 years ago, these 56 men stood up to the government. They were willing to lay it all on the line. And we've got to do the same today. Not in some crazy, uneducated, angry, condemning way, but in a way that honors God. When do you stand up to government? If government commands what God condemns. 
If government commands what God condemns, we have to stand up. The Bible is filled with stories. The second thing, if government prohibits what God promotes, that's the freedom of religious expression. That's what our founding fathers fought for then. And I can tell you now, these things are being under attack right now. If government commands what God condemns, what does that mean? The shedding of innocent blood. You know, I'm amazed. This last legislative session, there were almost 6,000 bills. 3,000 House bills, 3,000 Senate bills. Total 6,000 bills. I asked our legislators, I said, you know, I find it amazing that you guys come up with so much bills. God only had 613 bills. He says, what? Yeah, that's all God had. But he figured, like, you be like, just like me, can I remember all 613? He made it easy. Here's my top 10 bills. <laughs> Hello. Moses was in politics. Esther was in politics. Joseph was in politics. That's why the founding fathers understand when you look at the Bible, there's no separation. You can't take God out of society. God should be the front center, the pillar of every area of society. And so we've got to remember that. So when these things happen, we have to get involved. I can tell you there's a number of bills that will promote shedding of innocent blood, undermining or redefining of marriage and family. I don't have the time or the stomach to share with you some of these bills. I can tell you when I saw some of the bills being proposed here in a beautiful Hawaii, I was on a Fort Florida State Capitol weeping. How could someone in their right mind draft such a piece of legislation? And I asked God, God, you got to send somebody. You got to send somebody. It is funny. What do you think you're there, Alan? <laughs> but we have to get involved. And especially if government prohibits what God promotes, it's the freedom of religion. I can tell you I've seen a number of policies that will forever change what the pastors here in this church can do and cannot do in every other church. I mean, when I, I go to committee hearings, I go to meetings that I don't want to go to because I know I'll be chastised. I'll be, they're going to take it. They're going to spin in some angry and make, create me, turn me into a monster. And, you know, my kids see that. And they know that their father is not a monster, that their father loves God and loves everyone. But when I see these things happening and I look, I got to say, not on my watch. How in my family? Not in my home. When I go to committee hearings, I think about Pastor Ralph. I think about Pastor Wayne, Pastor Bill Stonebreaker, and none of my other fellow pastors. And I go standing in a gap for them and all the people in their congregations. Because if somebody doesn't stand up, the foundations will be destroyed. Edmund Burke says, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph if good people do nothing. Good people, God's people, we have to do something. We got to remember that the, that the Revolutionary War, the church was front and center in the Revolutionary War. One of the pastors, Reverend John Peter uh, uh, Gabriel Mullenberg, he saw what the British was doing, stripping away their property, their rights, and so forth. He went back to his church and he preached uh, on the book of Revelation that there's a time and a place for everything. There's a time to be born. There's a time to die. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to grow. There's a 
cry. There's a time to gather. There's a time to scatter. There's a time for peace, and there's a time for war. He took off his uh, black clerical robe. Under that robe, he had the uh, uniform of the Continental, office, uh, um, Continental Army. He was an officer there. And he said, brethren, we came here to this country so that we can practice our religious freedom. Today is a day for war. If we don't defend our freedom, we will lose our freedom. And he started to walk uh, throughout the pulpit. And I said, I call you men today to let's get involved today. Do you know that he recruited, uh, recruited 300 men from his church? They became the 8th Virginia Brigade. Do you know that most of the people that fought in a revolutionary war were pastors and in churches out there from Lexington to Concord to the road back to Boston? It was the pastors and the churches shaping this country. Well, you know that when he got involved, his brother, Frederick Augustine Millenberg, he was another minister. He said, bro, I think you're wrong. You should stay out of politics. Peter Mullenberg replied back, you know what? I'm a citizen of heaven, but I also have a citizen here on earth. I have a duty to God and duty to my country to get involved. Well, a couple months later, Peter Mull uh, Frederick Mullenberg um, his church got burned down. The British went after the pastors and churches, burning down churches. All of a sudden, the light bulb went on. Maybe my brother's right. Maybe I should get involved. Do you know that that pastor became the first speaker of house in Congress? Do you know when you go to Washington today, there's a pic picture of George Washington in the rotunda, 14 feet by 20 feet with General George Washington and his top generals. And do you know that one of the top generals in a revolutionary war was John Peter Mullenberg? The pastors and the churches believed that it was their responsibility to uh, get involved and to shape America's godly foundation. Well, that leads us to us today. If it wasn't for the pastors and, uh, and churches then, we wouldn't have our freedom. Think about generations to come. Are our children... And their children have the same freedom that we have today. We have to stand up and get involved. How can we get involved? We need to select our government. We have to get involved. We got our people going to be passing out voter registration forms, but we want to encourage you to take a form, register to vote. Right now, there's almost 286,000 people in the state of Hawaii that are eligible to vote, but not voting. There's, I think, 6 million Christians across the nation. 50% of them don't vote. Let, let me ask you, church, how can God bless the USA if his people doesn't get, get, doesn't get involved in electing? A lot of pastors and people say, but, you know, it, it, it's not biblical. We shouldn't get involved in selecting leaders. I beg to differ. Let's look at the scripture. Exodus 18. Jethro is telling Moses, you need to continue to teach them of God's decree and give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. Why does God want godly leaders? So these godly leaders can teach people what to believe and how to behave. It's in scripture. Is it biblical according to verse 21 that we get involved in electing our leaders? It says so. Jethro told Moses, hey, go out there and vote. Well, it doesn't say that, but it says this. But select from all the people. So voting is biblical. Church, we have to get involved. We have to register to vote. Well, I don't know who to vote for. Look at the four things that Jethro told Moses. You go out there, you find capable, able men that are God-fearing, men of truth that hate bribes. Oh, I'm sorry. I just got a revelation. It's not about political parties. It's about people of principles. 
We need to find capable people that are honest men and fear God. We have to do our part because let me tell you this. The voters will determine the future of America. Voters will determine the future of Hawaii, and we have to get involved. In closing, I try to lay down a biblical foundation for all of us to look at. Going back in the Bible, but going back in American history, that our founding fathers believed in the Word of God, they lived it. That's why we have freedom today. So now it's up to us. I've got two quotes that I want to close with. One is from Reverend James A. Garfield, who was the 20th president of the United States. He says this, Now more than ever, people are responsible for the character of their Congress. If the body be ignorant, reckless, and corrupt, it is because the people tolerate ignorance, recklessness, and corruption. If it be intelligent, brave, and pure, it's because the people demand these high qualities to represent them in the national legislature. If the next centennial does not find us a great nation, it will be because those who represent the enterprise, the culture, and the morality of the nation do not aid in controlling the political forces. We need to get involved. The next one is by the great Charles Finney. He said this, The time has come that Christians must vote for honest men and take consistent ground in politics, or the Lord will curse them. Christians have been exceedingly guilty in this matter, but the time has come when they must act differently. Christians seem to act as they thought God did not see what they do in politics, but I tell you, he does see it. And he will bless or curse a nation according to the course that they take. That leaves us, that leaves us to you and I. We need to do our part. It's time that we stop grumbling, stop complaining, and doing nothing isn't going to help our country. Our generation desperately needs courageous people like you and I that would step up. We need believers who will understand the leadership crossroad and the consequences that lie ahead and not be swayed by culture or be afraid of criticism. We need believers who will seek God for the government in fervent prayers and petition. We need believers who will stand up, speak up against the laws and philosophies that are destroying life, natural marriage, and religious freedom in a truthful, respectful, loving way. We need believers who will select their government in such a way that God can once again bless the USA. Regardless of what the culture said, we must be courageous. We must get involved. We must help our generation of believers to step up and embrace the responsibilities before God and to protect our families and religious freedom in the 2012 elections. It will take courage, and I share with this, this with you. If not you, then who? If not now, then when? This is the most important elections in the history of our home and the history of our country. We have to get involved. These are the three powerful things. And I believe that as we do it together, we can make a difference. We have to make a difference. So with that said, I pray that you be encouraged because our God is an awesome God. Amen. We serve a mighty God. Our people in the armed forces are doing their part. Our founding fathers did their part. Now we got to do our, our part. With that said, my name is Alan Cardenas Jr. and I approve this message. Um. But seriously, let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you're the same. You're large and in charge. We thank you, Lord, for our brothers and sisters that are gathered here today. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. Faith without works is dead. We will go out there today, seek God for our government. We will stand up to our government. 
when needed. But more importantly, we'll get involved in this election and select our government. Bless our brothers and sisters as they go forth our separate ways. Until we meet again, God bless in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Yeah.